Friday the 5th of February 2021 and this is episode 3 of the Red Zone Restricted podcast from Big Heads Media. In this episode, after a brief look back at the defeat to Brighton, we discuss the extent to which Liverpool's struggles are down to injuries, where we think the Reds will finish and how Klopp should use new signings Ozan Kabak and Ben Davis. We'll then finish with our preferred lineups and score predictions from Manchester City on Sunday. I'm joined, as usual, by Dan Club, my co-host. Dan, how are you and how are you feeling about Liverpool generally at the moment? I'm okay. Um, I'm glad it's the day after the the night before, in a way. I'm glad it's the day after we got beat and not the uh, the morning after, if you like. Um, but yeah, you know, difficult to be too optimistic, like I usually am, but I think when you take everything, which you're probably going to discuss, into consideration... Um, them sort of things are going to happen at the minute, unfortunately. Um, and we've just got to, without going into too much detail, reset, I think, reset our aims and ambitions for this season, potentially. But generally speaking, yeah, I'm okay. And our guest this week is Kiefer McDonald, an accredited Premier League journalist. Kiefer, I'll ask you pretty much the same question. What are your levels of optimism like and what what are your general thoughts on this sort of unique season of football? Similar to Dan, really. I mean, it's, like you said, it's quite hard to be optimistic at the moment. Um, I mean, it's one of them, it's turned from a bit of a blip into a bit of a, you know, a, a crisis now. So, um, you know, kind of looking forward to Sunday, hoping we can put everything over the last kind of month right. Um, but then at the same time, it's like, you know, if you lose Sunday, it's not going to be a fun week next week, is it? Well, yeah, I think um, it is sort of a combination of anticipation and you know there's a slight apprehension there as well because you know that with each game we, we could sink further into into the slump that we're in or maybe um you know if you, if you beat man city then obviously things change pretty quickly in terms of your outlook so we want to talk only briefly about brighton today because i don't think people and i think dan agrees i don't think people want to listen necessarily to a big post-mortem of that game. I think people would rather a broader discussion. Um, a bit more, a bit easier to listen to, really. So we'll just briefly do our usual three-word match reviews this week and talk talk about them for only a few minutes. So we'll have we'll have yours first, Dan. So what was your three-word review of that game on Wednesday? My from Wednesday was off the pace. Um just because like Keith, we just touched on there. It's been a bad month generally, um, but then all of a sudden things seem to click back into gear for a couple of matches, and we were last on this dead optimistic, and the sun was shining all over again. But then on Wednesday again at home, just a million miles away from being the usual selves, and that's off the pace, just slow and predictable, mundane. You know all them sort of. Uh, words you'd associate with things that aren't moving very fast and that, that's what we were and that's what punished us in the end because against teams that are sitting deep and that's the way they've come to play you've got to be when you do things you've got to do them quickly like we did against West Ham that counter-attack but we were just miles off the pace unfortunately on Wednesday I have I've, I have pretty similar rundown really um, but before I, before I come on to mine we'll go 
we'll go to Kiefer for his for his review and sort of a a brief look back at the game. Yeah, so for the three-way match for you, I, I went for a, tried to make a bit of a joke out of it. I went for a Rigi tackled at Robertson. I think that I think that summed up the game to be quite honest with you. Um, like Dan said, you know, against low block sides at Anfields over the years, um, you know, we've learned to break them down and it's it's quicker passing, isn't it? And it's much more width to the play. But right, against Burnley and, and against Brighton um, on Wednesday, it was just so mundane. Like you say, it was just, you know, I'm not one to pick like individuals out, but there's a few, a few players there who, who have just massively dropped off this season. And I think obviously you've got, you know, good reasons for that. You know, it's, it's not a normal season, is it? You've got a lot of players playing out of position. You've got a lot of players... You know, like Robertson playing way more football than they should be, um, and I'm sure that's something we'll go to, you know, later in the podcast. But yeah, the uh, the Origi uh, when he kind of took the ball off Robertson and then proceeded to kick it out of play summed up the night for me on Wednesday. I'd have to agree with that. I think that moment really just captured the despair of the of the whole occasion. And I mean, as you say, we don't really want to be picking out single players to kind of. To put down when the whole team isn't performing particularly well, but it's difficult. It's difficult with some players uh, not to do that. Um, we'll just finish on this with with my review, which is two steps back, um, and that's what Wednesday felt like really after the progress we made last week, and it was the same problems that sort of dogged us throughout. You know, the first part of the new year, we were ponderous on the ball, like Dan said, we were bereft of ideas. Trent didn't play particularly well. Salah really struggled after a man of the match performance at the weekend. And really, it was sort of an upper trajectory that we saw last week. And it was just felt like it was totally flattened. As I say, we'll we'll try and look forward and try and talk more broadly than uh, doing a Brighton post-mortem. So the first issue we really want to get into in detail is to what extent injuries can be blamed for Liverpool's struggles in their title defence. So we could probably devote a whole podcast uh, to this question, but let's try and have some sort of <laughs> some sort of limit on it. Um, Kiefer, we'll go to you. What I've done in my answer is really put it on a sliding bar of, you know, what percent maybe you could blame, blame injuries for it and what extent there are set decisions being made and maybe tactical issues at play. So what what are your thoughts? Is it literally, you know, do we need to cut the players a lot of slack because of the sheer extensive injuries we suffered this season? I think it's um I mean there's definitely some validity in in the injury situation. Um, you know, you've got the player of the season last year for Liverpool playing, you know, centre half and you know he's doing a good job, but I mean it he, you know you're missing in big time in midfield. Um, same with Fabinho again; he's doing a magnificent job at the back. But you can't underestimate how big of a big of a, a loss that is for Liverpool. You know, they're starting three in midfield last season. Only, only one of them's you know playing regularly. Um, and and I think we've seen with Klopp and you know over the, over the last couple of years um, since he's been at Liverpool, rhythm's key and it's essential. Um, at the minute, it feels very much like you know 17, 18, 16, 17 kind of thing, like. You know, like I say, it's one step forward, two back. Um, like with the Burnley, with the Burnley and the Brighton defeats. Um, but I think, like I say, in, injuries. I think I've played a massive part. But not to pin it all on that, because, like I said, I think, I think there's a few players who you know should be taking a look at themselves. Um, and there's always there was always going to be a, a drop off after after last season. Don't get me wrong. I think it was well documented how hard it was going to be to retain this title. I mean, you, you only have to look at City's defence of it last season. 
Um, it's very similar to that in terms of, you know, it kind of feels like it is do or die on Sunday. And even with the win on Sunday, it feels like um, it's still going to be a massive uphill struggle. Um, so I think I think after you've had kind of had that blip of, of January, like we saw, I think it's more of a psychological issue and maybe psychological fatigue. Um, you know, obviously the season was extended last year. There, there, wasn't, there wasn't much of a break. Um, and combine that with, you know, the style of football cops playing and the last three seasons, you know, you've, you've got a European, two European Cup finals. You've got two like 95 plus point seasons, um, you, you know, and then to, to, to go for the fourth season with a, with a depleted squad. Um, I don't think anyone's, you know, going to be um, investigating too hard as to why you're not reaching those levels again. Like I said, there's, there's different avenues you can go with it. And I'm not one to blame it all on injuries. I think that is a large chunk of it. So if you're going on a scale, I'd probably say 65% maybe on, on injuries. You know, th there's games like the Brighton one, which you shouldn't be losing, full stop, you know, at Brighton at home, um, you know, after a 68 game, you know, Burnley as well, after 68 games on beating Anfield, whether, whether you've got, you know, seven, seven first-team players out or what, it's uh, it's not the standard that Liverpool have been used to over the last four years. I think that's why it's come as more of a shock um, like I say, it feels very much like the early, the early days in Klopp. I have to say, I agree with pretty much everything you've said there. And the fatigue point, quite an interesting one, because let's not forget that Manchester United and Man City, two of the teams above Liverpool in the league, were on European duty in uh, August last season, I believe, in the Champions League and Europa League. So really, Liverpool had the, the luxury compared to those two teams of a longer pre-season. So... That made me question the validity of the fatigue point, but then really um, you just have a case of, because of injuries, a small amount of players being forced to just constantly play 90 minutes. And that is really what's responsible for the immediate level of fatigue, physical and mental. And as as you say, um, there's a, definitely an element of mental fatigue there as well. Um, you said 65%. I've said, I've actually put it higher. I've said probably 70 or, or even 80% because really you have three of the top 10 centre-backs in the world, in my opinion, are up for the season. Jota has been missing for what will end up being about two and a half months, I think, after what was a prolific start to the season. So that's a 25-goal forward injured. Thiago's out from October to January, which has cost him valuable time to adapt to the team and the league. And then on top of that, you have kind of a stream of injuries which are less serious but they just keep coming and it's almost becoming a slightly sick joke um on social media now and i'm sure you, you two are both familiar with this that a rumor will surface before the game sort of on in the morning and it'll be that oh this player's picked up an injury and then you sort of find yourself refreshed in social media all day thinking oh come on surely this one's got to be rubbish and then sure enough the team news rolls around and it's not rubbish and the player's just gone missing and then it's said to be a minor injury, but they, they go missing for three or four important games. And I think probably the players are finding that demoralising as well. Um, you just wonder how a team, not only a team that isn't properly balanced, but a team that is constantly dealing with fresh setbacks, how they can expect to build momentum or to build confidence when obviously the personnel is changing constantly. So as I say, you're sapping the energy, energy levels physically. And that's how an injury crisis can be self-perpetuating, which I think we've seen. But it also happened the mental energy levels. And, and don't get me wrong, I agree with Kiefer. A lot of our poor results against the bottom six leave you thinking, surely the team we've put out can do much better. 
and I'm left questioning some of the decisions Klopp makes um, substitutions-wise and, and selection-wise and some of the decisions we've made in the transfer market. For example, we'll have to look back at some point and wonder, should Liverpool have moved for those centre-halves on January 1st? And how much would that have limited the damage they suffered in January? Because they, they've known the extent of the, of the Van Dijk and Gomez injuries for a long time. Um, fundamentally, I guess the bottom line is this isn't the Liverpool team that, that's won titles. And it, it's far from it. Um, and that's why Man City will... That's partly why Man City will probably go on and win the title. And they will be worthy champions because injuries are part of any title narrative. But I do think, I do think injuries have played a significant part. And I'm not sure reasonable Man City fans would deny that either. So I've been talking for a while there. Dan, I'll let you come in on this. Um, if you want to use the arbitrary sliding scale of injury importance, you can as well. Yeah, I quite like the sliding scale. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on it. Um you two have summed summed everything up really, really nicely there, to be honest. Um I'd probably go a little bit higher in terms of the impact it's had. Um Simply because we mentioned the key injuries, but like you touched upon, it's every week there's someone else um, and they tend to be relatively important players. Now, you have discussions with people, you know, outside the Liverpool circles and they'll say, oh, well, you're only missing, you know, Van Dijk and Gomez. They're the key two. And in many ways they are, but obviously that has a knock-on effect to the midfield then. And we, in the summer, you know, we didn't spend massively, but we strengthened the squad probably with an eye to rotating more in terms of bringing Jota and Thiago in and obviously Tamiskas at left-back. But we haven't been able to do it. Like Klopp probably knew what last season and the season before took out of these players. So he probably wanted to, you know, mix and match more as the season went on. But, you know, these last three games, we've seen the same midfield three times and we've lost the third game. It's not, it's not by accident. Um, I just don't think you can legislate for the sheer number of injuries we've had over the course of the season. And it's every game, like you say, there's someone else. Um, I mean, it was a goalkeeper, it was Allison last week, you know, it's and it must it must have an adverse effect on the players, as much as like, you know, the mentality monsters tag and the professionals and so on and so on. But, you know, as Liverpool fans every week when we see someone else is missing for be it one game, two games, whatever it is, you're like, oh, get you down again. Now, that the, set, the similar thing must be happening in terms of within the squad. So, yeah, it's tough. And like I say, I'd probably put it in the upper echelons of 80%, to be honest with you, because it, it has an adverse effect on everything. So you're missing seven players, your tactics struggle. And I'm not a big fan of Klopp substitutions generally. I think that's a really interesting point. I think he takes too long often. And I, I think a lot of people say the same thing and then it never happens or he eventually does it. Um, but he's probably, again, he's probably thinking, I haven't got the players that I'd like to have on the bench to come on and make an impact. So it all stems from injuries. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably say it's had a higher effect on, on our struggles than, than you two boys have. Well, there's two points that, that jump out to me there. And... Um, another point that we can probably discuss another day in terms of club substitutes, because I'm sure that'll be an issue that uh, keeps popping up. But the first is the idea that rival fans don't really understand it. And I think a lot of Liverpool fans will agree with, agree with Dan there, particularly ones who sort of speak to rival supporters on social media. 
Um, and yeah, I guess, as Dan said, it just seems on the surface like it's not particularly serious because Van Dyke and Gomez are the sort of season-long absentees. But obviously, you then have the grade of injuries below that, the Thiago and Jostin injuries, for example. But it is just this, this constant succession of injuries and the imbalance of the team as well. And the other point was the idea about, which I think is really interesting, about the, the conventional view of Liverpool as mentality monsters, is the phrase. You know, we, we recognise that the players are only human beings and this season with the lack of crowds, the succession of injuries, it just doesn't necessarily lend itself to sort of being inspired, I don't think. And we're, we're possibly seeing the consequences of that. And I can forgive these players that because to get 90, 99 points and 97 the season before um, is a phenomenal effort. And as much as it didn't seem to be the case last season, they aren't robots. And, you know, I think we can, it will be expecting too much for that level or even close to that level to be maintained in the circumstances we're in. Um, so, as I said, it could be a whole podcast, this, but we've got a couple of other areas uh, we want to discuss as well. So the next thing we'll move on to is where we think Liverpool will end up finishing this season. Uh, Kiefer, I'll go to you first on this one. Where do you think we'll finish and why? I've, off the back of Wednesday, I've gone for third. Um, and that's purely kind of with, I think, the European Cup maybe prioritised. Um, I mean... Like I said, I think Sunday feels like, you know, a season to finer. I mean, it's, it's only the start of February, but I think that it, Sunday's as big as it comes. Um, I mean, there's, you know, seeing City, I think it's 13 wins on, on the spin for them now. Um, and, you know, there's no reason why Liverpool can't put, you know, something similar together. Um, you know, we saw City at the start of the season, they kind of had their kind of blip. Um, United had their blip. It feels like everyone's having kind of a, a blip. But for, for, for us, it feels a bit more of, more than a blip of like, you know, what other teams have had. It feels like a bit more of a crisis. Um, like like you've mentioned, Dave, with with injuries and um, and whatever, and so I've gone for third, being quite pessimistic. Um, but I'd like to reiterate that I, I I'm not ruling out you know a, a mad run because I like I say I think we're capable of doing it. I mean, you only have to look at the eighteen nineteen season. Um, I think it's from the nil nil at Goodison till the end of the season. I think Liverpool and City win every single game. Um, you know, so there's no reason you can't. And you know, one one of the pressures one of the pressures on Liverpool. Yeah, over the last couple of years, we have been able to perform, you know, chasing City, all right, we didn't win it in the end in, in 2019, but, you know, to be able to, to get 97 points and not win a league title, you know, there, there's the, the mentality's there for it, you know, the hungerness is there for it, all right, we've been unfortunate with injuries, um, but purely, like I said, just purely off the injury kind of basis and, and like you say, now with, with the squad and, and the injuries, like, it doesn't look like Van Dijk will probably play again this season, nor Joe, no, nor Joe Gomez, um, so you know it, it's probably looking to to rebuild for next season. So called. So I, I would probably, if it was me, I'd probably switch one eye or to the European Cup and give that a, a crack because you know you don't want to Liverpool like over over two legs um, and beat anyone. So yeah, I'd probably I'd probably go third just just for that reason alone. Just to um, before I let Dan come on, this just to pick up on one of the things you said there. You said Sunday was a season-defining game. Do, do you think if Liverpool win on Sunday and the gap comes down to, I think it will be 
four points it would be, but City would have a game in hand on us still. A game in hand, I think, which is at Everton, which means they're definitely going to win. Do you do you genuinely believe that that could kickstart like you know, you know, reignite a title challenge? You say there's there's no reason Liverpool can't put a run together towards the end of this season. And I know there's potentially Diogo Jota coming back, which could be a boost, and maybe the injury crisis will ease because it seems like it has to eventually. But do you, do you genuinely think that Liverpool have, have got a chance of putting a City S run together? Because in all honesty, to me, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to generate generate much momentum. I mean, it felt like with the wins over Tottenham and West Ham, it felt like you know that could have been the start of something. Um, I'm, I mean, the City the City one's mad because, like I said, it's thirteen on the spin. Um, and like I say, every team's kind of peaked and troughed this season. You've had, you know, Tottenham, City, United. You, I think the only team that's probably been a bit of a consistent is, is Leicester. Even in their, even they've kind of dropped off, you know, the last couple of weeks. But I mean, the only the only reason I would say, you know, there is a chance is because, you know, I'm touching wood here. I, I don't think any injuries can get any worse. You know, what I mean, like I say, you've got Jota coming back. You, you've got players coming back. Um, you know, you, we've got two new centre halves, which you know should free the other lads up at the back. Um, you know. It, one, two, two natural centre-halves come in, I think, you know, I think we'll kind of see the Trent and, and Robbo of old um, because Robbo, Robbo's been great this season, but I think Trent especially, probably even joined the, the, the Project Restart, he, he hasn't really hit the, the heights we've seen of him and set definitely since his injury, um, since he's come back this season, he definitely hasn't definitely hasn't been the player we've seen. So I think, you know, when you get more a bit more balance uh, and it remains to be seen what, what lineup we put Sunday, you know, if, if Ben Davies does get chucked in, does Henderson get put back in midfield? Um, that's a question for later on. But I just think if you bring some balance towards the team, you get Henderson back in midfield. You know, you get you get Jota back. Um, I, I don't think there's any reason why. Look, I'm not saying we're going to win 13 on the spin starting on Sunday, but I, I wouldn't rule it out if that makes sense. Um, just because the mentality of this team um, and, and what we've seen over the last couple of years, uh, you know, and the hunger will be there. They won't want to. You know, there's a lot. of people kind of saying oh it's one of the worst title defense ever, title defenses ever which is a lot of rubbish anyway um but they'll be listening to the noise and, and they'll be wanting to, to prove people wrong well it's, it's nice to have a note of optimism although you did use the phrase i don't think our injuries could get any worse which means you will be held squarely responsible for the next setback that we suffer um i'm gonna let let you uh, weigh in on this one now dan uh where, where do you think we'll finish are you are you feeling sort of as simply optimistic, or are you envisaging a, a bit of a scrap just to finish in the top four? If if this had been Thursday morning, I'd have probably said scrap for the top four. But having had time to reflect, um, and I actually did something similar to what Kiefer mentioned just um, yesterday in terms of the eighteen nineteen season and the capability of putting a run together. Uh, it looks seriously unlikely given the way we've played of late, but. We're capable and not wanting to jinx anything. I, I can't foresee the, the injuries being as bad. It has to be, it has to relent at some point, um, you'd like to think anyway. Uh, and getting players back, you know, at this time of the season with the centre-halves coming in, yeah, I, I think we could finish second. Um, and having been so optimistic, just to say second doesn't sound, doesn't sound fantastic. But I must admit... Like catching City looks seriously difficult, regardless of the run we go on, um, and regardless of what happens on Sunday, in a lot of ways, because I still think we'll have 
blips along the along the way. I think there'll be bumps in the road for us, um, purely because of our intensity not being what it was, and that's down to all the things we touched upon in the last bit, really, uh, injuries, fans, etc. So I don't foresee us going on some sort of mad 14-15 game winning run like we did at the end of that last season or the other season. Um, but I do think we'll finish second um, purely because I don't foresee the others around us maintaining their own pace um, because I don't think they're good enough to, to be honest with you. And probably United in particular, I'm pointing out there. Um, the European notions are really interesting one in terms of concentrating on that. That could be a factor further down the line, potentially, should we come through Leipzig, obviously. Because um, our attention could switch and that might change where we finish, um, which is an interesting point to raise. But yeah, I think I think we go on a bit of a run, to be honest with you, um, at some point along the way. Because when this team's at full strength, it's good enough to go on uh, an unbeaten run at the very least, whether it be winning all the time or not. So yeah, I've said second, because um, they are Optimistic with, with players coming back and, and centre offs coming in, obviously. So more so more optimism then, but sort of balanced optimism in a way, because I, I agree with Dan that it is looking very, very difficult to catch Man City. And realistically, there's no rational part of me that can say Liverpool will finish above Man City just because Man City are doing everything. That, that champions do at the moment, you know, they're extremely solid at the back. Um, but they've also found the right balance between that and and maintaining their, their attack. And they had the particularly the victory against Villa recently, which was obviously controversial, but you just say it just feels like one of those one of those nights. In terms of where I think we'll finish, uh, actually as Dan alluded to, I think it depends on how far we go in Europe. I think if we go deep into the Champions League, um, really, we're looking at a battle for, for third or fourth because of the level of fatigue, but also because priorities will change, whether that's subconscious or deliberate from, from Klopp in his, in his team selection. And if City are comfortably ahead, you can imagine that the sort of outlook of the players becomes that the European games are the main event of the week and the Premier League games are something of a sideshow. Um, because they'll lose a bit of their uh, bit of their shine, really. And if we don't go far in Europe, I'm thinking it'll be it'll be more comfortable and probably and probably second second in the league. And I, as as Dan has said already, you know Liverpool realistically are better than the likes of Leicester, Everton, and Tottenham who lost last night. And with with their injuries, I'd say they're about as good as as Manchester United, but probably more. Probably a more sort of mature team in some ways. It's going to be close between between the two of us on the table. Just I just don't want to really contemplate my United finishing above us, but it will be close. And yeah, it goes without saying that better luck and better load management potentially with with injuries is going to be very important. And hopefully, the January signings will restore a bit of balance to the team. Speaking of the January signings, we'll move on to those now. So the week started with two shrewd signings from Liverpool to address the the centre-back injury crisis, and that was Ozan Kabak and Ben Davis. Um, So really what we want to discuss is their role in the team between now and the end of the season, how heavily they should be involved, and particularly whether the likes of Fabinho and Henderson should remain 
options as defenders or whether they should now be used in midfield. And we'll start with Dan on this one. And Dan has mentioned in both podcasts so far that he's really keen to see Fabinho back in midfield. So I'm sure he he's gonna he's gonna beat beat that drum again. So Dan, what do you reckon? How should we use these two signings? Yeah, you stole my thunder. Um I'm not I'm not gonna say, you know, throw them both together instantly, certainly not on Sunday, because it's far too soon. But I think we've got to got to be looking at using them both as a centre half partnership. Um I think you know, Ben Davis is left footed, Kabak's right footed. You know, I'm not saying there's a match made in heaven because God knows them to haven't played together, and neither of them have played in the Premier League. But I think over the course of the next month or so, we have to have the aim of using them as, as centre halves. Um, with probably Nat Phillips as a backup instead of the two midfielders, to be honest, um, and have the two midfielders, Henderson and Fabinho, was like your fourth and fifth choice, potentially. Um, which is, Fabinho has been outstanding of centre-half. There's no no getting away from that. You know, he's been brilliant. As is Henderson. Henderson's done really well when he's come in. But my main point is, and I wrote something down on Thiago here, now, Thiago came into this side probably expecting to play alongside Fabinho, Henderson, and a mix of Wijnaldum at times, with the occasional Cater and Milner thrown in for good measure. Instead, he's played with the latter two predominantly. Now, we're not going to see the best of Thiago until you get Fabinho and Henderson alongside him, in my opinion. Because Fabinho will do his tackling, Henderson will do his running, and Thiago can just be brilliant at football. Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of centre-halves, we've got to look to utilise them as centre-halves and what we signed them for in terms of playing them together at some point. I think that'll be an amalgamation of um, Kabak playing a bit and Davis playing a bit over the next few weeks. But I'd like to think, sort of by the end of February, you know, going into March sort of time, they, they were capable of, of playing together, to be honest. I think the point about Thiago, I really like that point. And it's not something I've actually thought about before. But yeah, Fabinho and Henderson do take some of the some of the bad enough and potentially, you know, free him up. And we've seen that potentially in terms of tracking back and doing some of the dirty work. I'm not, you know, I think I'm buying, he, he was good at that, but for us, some of, some of his, his tackling has, has left quite a bit to be desired. Um, so yeah, that, that is a very, that is a very intelligent point, I think, but I will, I will disagree and I'll kind of leave, leave Kiefer to, to decide in some ways. I've I've said that we should be looking at Fabinho Kabak as the as the partnership, and it's difficult for me for me to say because I'll admit that I've not watched either of these players before. I've obviously read a lot about them this week and tried to gauge what their strengths are. And one thing I read about Kabak is that he needs an experienced partner alongside him at this stage of his career, and that's that's understandable because he's only twenty. So for now, I'm saying Fabinho Kabak as a partnership, even though I do appreciate what we lose without Fabinho midfield. And if Klopp's determined to have natural centre-halves in the position, and that's potentially why he was so keen to get two, it's going to be a toss-up between Phillips and Davis because we know that Kabak is the is certainly the most highly rated one um, at the club 
who's fit now. And again, Davis will have to be tested at this level before we can make a judgment on that. But I do think um, Kabak, certainly in these first few games in the new league and at a proper top European club for the first period of, of his career, might need that experienced partner in Fabinho. And my my view on this is definitely open to change over the next couple of weeks and months as, as I and as, as Klopp and all of us as fans learn more about these two players. But Fabinho, Kabak with Henderson back in his natural position is is what I'd favour. So, Kiefer, who do you agree with, myself or Dan? I kind of agree with both of you, to be fair. Um, you know, I agree with, obviously, your point, Dave, that, you know, um, Kabak's young, he's coming into, you know, a, a sinking ship in a way in, in this Liverpool side that is, you know, shipping a lot of unnecessary goals. Um, so, I, I, logically, I don't think it makes sense to, to throw him and Davies in and kind of just, you know, pray it works. Um, but at the same time, you know, maybe it's either there's a... Klopp's um, preparing for more injuries, kind of in a way. He doesn't want to be left short again, um, because it, like, I always thought that we, we were going to get one centre off in, and I thought it was a bit strange that we got two. Um, I mean, going on to to, to Sunday, um, I know we'll touch on it in, in a minute. Um, but I, I would I would love to see Ben Davies not thrown in, but like I think it's a perfect opportunity for him um, because it's not like if if. You know, no, nothing's expected of, of Sunday, if that makes sense, in, in a way. I, I don't think there's anyone... Yeah, OK, we, we're all hoping to win, but I don't think there's... You know, we're, we're definitely not favourites going into it like we have been in previous years at Anfield against City. So um, I, would, I would love to see how, how he fares if, if he does get a, a chance Sunday. Um, but in terms of getting Fabinho back into midfield, I would probably look at doing that next season. Um, just because, what's it now, it's been October since he's, he's played at the back end. He's been absolutely sensational, hasn't he? You know, he's just he's just been like a breath of fresh air in a way because it's it's not something. Obviously, he played fullback for Monaco, didn't he, at times? But I mean, I remember obviously when Van Dijk got that injury. Um, whoever whoever Fabinho's played with over the last kind of four or five months, you know, he's he's got the experience centre off. You know, whether that's Gomez, whether that's Matip, you know, and then obviously with the younger lads. Um, and I think Henderson for me is the important one because I feel like he's a, he's the metronome. Do you know what I mean? Like he sets he sets the pace. Um, and I think uh, like uh, Dave said, it takes uh, Dan said even it takes the um, the pressure off Thiago in a way um, because it has felt at times like you know he's one tackle off a red card and like you said, David's tackling isn't isn't the greatest. Um, so I think if you can get Henderson kind of doing his work the other way um, and giving him kind of that freedom. To kind of you know express himself further up the pitch, I think it only makes Liverpool a better side and it makes us a more a more balanced side. Um, so you know definitely the in the next kind of you know, by, by the end of the month, I'm hoping that you know whether it be Kabak or Davis, um, you know they uh, they are starting to settle and even even the, the whole Fabinho thing. Like I can't remember the last time he didn't play. Obviously injury, yes, but I mean, you know, prior to his injury, I, I can't remember the last time he's, he's had a he's had a week off. You know, even in the Champions Leagues or, or whatever, because he's been the only kind of real option at centre half for the majority of the season. So it'll be nice from that point just to kind of you know let him have a breather. If if it does prevail that we do kind of focus on the European Cup, depending on what happens over the next coming weeks. So I mean, it's uh, definitely it'll definitely be an interesting one. I think. Really, it has to it has to be a, a spirit of compromise um, between now and the end of the season with these players because we we don't want to you know put too much on them, but equally we need to make sure the signings count by placing trust in them and by 
making sure we can restore some balance to the side. Um, one last thing on this before we move on to the, to look at the City game. Dan, I just wanted to, to ask you, in the circumstances of Matip's injury, alongside the other two injuries that we have, should Liverpool have bought three centre-halves? Which <laughs> sounds, sounds a bit silly, but when you look at the squad, is is and all that silly and it is kind of sensible. Should they have bought three, and then this wouldn't be an issue for you know Fabinho could and Henderson could easily have moved back. I'd say yeah, um, we've lost three, so we probably should have bought three. You know, it sounds crazy, and it was always unlikely. You know, there was there was talk on deadline day of a third potentially coming in, and we'd seem far fetched, obviously. But yeah, like you say, we've lost our three senior centre backs for the season, so so in essence, we should have bought three, and then this whole Fabinho thing. Doesn't go away immediately because he still has to play there probably for a few weeks whilst the the new lads settle. Um, but it certainly gives us the potential. And you know, on the face of it, we only spent the best part of five million on the two we did bring in. So a similar a similar ilk of deal potentially, or or actually spending you know a, a decent chunk of money on on a more permanent target might have been might have been ideal to be fair on deadline day, but. You know, two was what it was, and I was made up. We signed two, if I'm honest. But in the ideal world, yeah, I think I think a third would have been would have been perfect. Yeah, it's it's just a question of whether the the fact that the deals were so inexpensive points to just you know just shrewd business, or whether it sort of explains why Liverpool didn't move sooner because the the cash reserves just. Just aren't necessarily there. I'd be leaning towards the latter, and I think we all we all recognise that, even though obviously we are frustrated. But we'll move on to the final topic today, which is a a look at the Man City game. And as usual, we're going to be doing our preferred lineups. So I'll go first on this one, and I'll let Dan and Kiefer weigh in on on the lineup that I've put together. So I've gone with Allison in goal. And that's assuming he's recovered from that bout of illness. And it's strange because he he just seemed to wake up on the day of the Brighton game and just be in discomfort and was unable to play. Um, hopefully he's all right. I can imagine that he's, he would try and play through um, the illness if it's eased in, eased in seriousness, but we'll have to see. I've gone with Trent. Uh, right back, Phillips and Fabinho as a centre-half partnership. Again, that's a human Fabinho's fit, which, is, which isn't certain, but I read an interview that he did yesterday and he, he sounded hopeful. Um, it sounds like his absence in the past week or so has been precautionary. Um, and if you're going to take precautions, it's with this game in mind, really. So Phillips and Fabinho, then Robertson, and then Henderson back into midfield alongside Wijnaldum and Thiago. Whether you change the midfield personnel based on the amount that Thiago Wijnaldum have played, you know, in an ideal world, maybe, but Klopp likes his established midfields for for big games, so I can't really see him wavering from that. Um, and obviously the the front line will really pick itself if if Mane's fit. Um, so Salah, Firmino, Mane, and also just just to go back to the start of the selection, I've held off on. Kabak and Davis. I know Kiefer said that he'd be sort of open to the idea of of Davis getting a game, but I'm personally not sure it's it's sensible to be throwing players into a Premier League debut against against City, particularly because we have a 
a week of a week of training after this uh, between this game and the Leicester game where you can really sort of bed them in and that it makes Leicester really a more realistic option, particularly maybe with one eye on the Leipzig game that follows it. So, uh, Kiefer, what are the similarities and, and differences with your team? I've gone for the the exact same. Um, Alison back in, obviously, pending. Um, Phillips, obviously, I touch on Davies. Um, it, it'd be more kind of like, like I say, I'd be open to the idea of it. It's not something I necessarily, I, I don't expect Klopp to do it. You know, we, we've seen with, you know, new signers numerous times. He does like to, to bed them in. Obviously, this is a different scenario because they've, they've both been brought in as kind of like emergency cover, kind of, if, if that makes sense. Um, but, you know, I've, I've been impressed with Phillips, to be, to be quite honest with you. Um, obviously, uh, Reese Williams, he's, he, he's been he's fair play to both of the lads because they've they both stepped up massively this season. But I think Phillips as well, um, you know, again, maybe he was a bit poor for the goal on Wednesday. Um, but against Tottenham, when he came on, he, he was great. Against West Ham, he was great. Um, so, you know, I'd keep him in um, for the City for the City game. Um, you know, I'd keep him with Fabinho. And then, obviously, like you say, the midfield picks itself. Um, and so does a front three if, if Marnie's fit. Um, I mean, like I say, it'll be an interesting one um, because, like I say, it feels like there is there is nothing to lose. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the worst the worst case is you go what ten clear, and then with the game in hand, it potentially thirteen. So, like I say, it does feel like do or die. So, um, I think I think that's the team you'll see. Um, like you say, Fabinho, a bit of a precaution over the last kind of week, but he, he def- he's definitely been kept for this game. Same with Alisson, even if he's not 100%, he, he definitely gets thrown in, into this. So, um, yeah, identical to your, your side. It would, it would just be um, interesting to see the, the two centre-halves, but I imagine it will be uh, Phillips and Fabinho. Yeah, it's a reasonably strong-looking side, I think. Um, one that is, is capable of winning the game. Uh, Dan, have, have you made it three of the same team or have you got a variation in yours? Just the one change for me. Um, I've got Kabak in instead of Phillips. And, and I, it's, it's harsh on Phillips from, from my point because I think he has been brilliant. But Kabak's the one and I know he struggled with, he hasn't struggled necessarily with Schalke. Schalke has struggled. Um, but he's played at the top level in terms of playing the Bundesliga. I imagine he's played against Bayern Munich a fair amount of times and, and Dortmund the same. Whereas Phillips, as well as he has done in certain games, I think he was quite poor against Newcastle a few weeks ago. Um, he got caught out for pace quite a few times by Callum Wilson. Um, and that, that terrifies me a little bit. So, yeah, I've gone with Kabach just because... He, I don't know how many games exactly he's played in a, in a German top flight. But I imagine it's a fair amount, despite him only being 20. Um, and I'd like to see him. So not just because I wanted to make a change from you two boys, but I, I do think I, I would go with him, to be honest with you. I think we need to have a look, see what he's about. And similar to what Kiefer touched on in terms of Davis before, um, there's no better time to do it. I do think it'd be too soon for Davis because he's coming from never playing top five football anywhere to playing against you know, the team that are currently winning the Premier League. Whereas Kabak has had similar experiences. So he'd be accustomed to it. And I think he'd be the one to have a good look at. Well, I took the opportunity while you were while you were speaking there to actually look up how many games Kabak's played in the Bundesliga and he's he's made 40 appearances, which is which is a decent decent innings, I'd say. So maybe there is something in that argument and especially the 
the pace argument um, against, you know, potentially the likes of Raheem Sterling. Um, so what we'll do now, just before we finish, is we'll get a score prediction, a brief score prediction from from each of us. Uh, I'll go first on this, and hopefully um, Dan and Kiefer can persuade me it'll be different, but I've said it's nailed on to be nil-nil because I think Guardiola, and as he should, I, I'd say it's going to come to Anfield and and say we're in a we've got a very comfortable margin over Liverpool in the league here. Let's let's set up almost how we did at Old Trafford. Let's just make sure we don't lose the game. Liverpool need to win it. We don't need to win it. Um, and he'll be quite compact defensively. He won't take too many risks. And realistically, will Liverpool be able to break down by far the best defense in the league in? The, in the sort of form that they've been in, I don't necessarily think so. So whilst it will be built up a lot this game, I'm not actually expecting it to be to be a thriller. So I'm I've pretty much convinced myself that this will this will be a nil nil game, um, potentially quite like the 18-19 one at Anfield, although maybe without the the sky penalty. So Dan, what do you reckon? Score prediction? Yeah, I've gone down a different path with mine. Um, I think Guardiola might. And you're perfectly right. He could well do what you say and kind of, you know, shut up shop a little bit and say, no, we don't need to get beat here. But I think you might see it as an opportunity. We've all not playing particularly fantastically well of late. Um, and with potentially a new centre-back in place or, you know, or Matt Phillips in place, I think he might look at it and go, they can they can really steal a march on everyone. Um which gives us the opportunity to play. So I've actually gone the opposite direction, um, and I think it could be a decent score draw, um, 2-2, I've gone with. Interesting, yeah. Valid point about uh, Guardiola wanting to maybe get that victory at Anfield. I do think he'll favour caution in terms of the in terms of the title mindset. Um, but yeah, it, it, could definitely, it could definitely go that way. Kiefer, are you sort of more towards the exciting... Um, exciting end of the scale, or the more the cagey end. I I agree with Dan here. I I don't think it's I don't think it's too in too much in Guardiola's DNA to to come and you know take a point in in that kind of you know stifling way. But the thing is, I I, I was saying earlier this week is City's what is it 2003 the last time they won at Anfield. I think Guardiola, you know, he comes into this and he looks at the bigger picture for next season. Obviously, I think if if Liverpool and City, you know, you'd expect them to to be in another title race, uh, a more refreshed Liverpool. Um, so the games at Anfield, whether whether that be at the start of the season or the end of the season, they're going to be key. So I think Guardiola will go for it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to go one more than Dan. I'm going to say two one Liverpool. Interesting. Well, quite a bit of variation there, and generally a bit of optimism in the podcast that um, Liverpool will be able to do. Do themselves justice on Sunday and in the remainder of the season, but we are we are out of time now. Uh, so just before we go, um, as usual, I'll give I'll give Kiefer, who I know has been going to I've seen seen him on social media going to Premier League grounds across across the north. <laughs> so if he's got any work that he wants to that he wants to take the opportunity to plug, um, now's his chance. Uh, I'll just I'll just do a shameless plug of plug of the Twitter um, at Kiefer MacD. And I'll put that in the episode description so it's easy to access as well. Right, um, that's all we've got time for. Next week, we're going to be looking ahead to both the Leicester and Leipzig games. We're going to have 
Chris Williams, who's a uh, expert Bundesliga journalist, on to talk about Leipzig in detail. So make sure you join us for that. I'm pretty sure that'll be a good listen. So obviously, we wish Liverpool all the best on Sunday in a crucial match against Man City. But that's that's all for now. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.